Israel real brief to stand before you, to stand in in our right mind, in, in full faculties, Father, and alive. And we thank you, Lord, for that we can see you and still live. But we want to die to what we want and be raised up in what you want us to be. So this is why we're here today, Lord, to receive what you have for us. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So the Lord uh, asked me to ask you what you're thinking about. What you thinking about? What you thinking about? Amen. Where Where's your mind? What's on your mind? That is so very important uh, pertaining to where we're going, pertaining to what we're to receive from God. It's, it's what's in your mind, uh, what you're focused on. What do you think about? What's your meditation? Where, where do you feel that you're going? Uh, your thoughts contribute a great deal uh, to where you're going. Uh, I know many times I'll, I'll be awake and I'll have, I said, oh, i got a couple more hours. And then my mind will start going through what I'm going to do for the day. After that starts, it's over. You got me? Because your mind begins to order your steps, begins to plot out your steps uh, before you. And so it's very important what we think, what we meditate on. Meditation really is part of your selective mental faculty. There are some things that we have so many thoughts in a day's time. And so a meditation is, is uh, something that you select out of all of the thoughts that are going through your head. You select something out to dwell on. You select something out to feast on. You select something out to think about, uh, to uh, cogitate, to let it agitate in your, your brain. This agitation is part of the process of unlocking hidden truths in some of the thoughts that we have. And so if you want to get some of those hidden truths, you'll have to grab onto a thought and meditate and come up with, with what it is that's hidden in those words. See, words have meaning. And we can, we can memorize some things. Amen. We can, can uh, recite things from memory. Amen. Uh, um, you know, some people like poetry, and they want to uh, want to feast on, you know, say Shakespeare. To be or not to be—that is the question. Whether it's nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. You know what I'm saying? What that means? Uh, so we can go on and on and quote things and speak things and. And that happens in real life, too. It happens in the church. Sometimes we hear phrases, and something about it we take a liking to. Or we don't know what it is that uh, turns us on about certain kinds of information. I've noticed that uh, I've, I've had nieces and nephews uh, and, and observed them as children. And little girls like words. Much more than boys. See, boys can get what they want with with grunts. 
<laughs> you know, caveman style. But girls will grab onto language. Amen. Because girls have to be persuasive. See, just traditionally, uh, men, because God puts men in positions of leadership and gives them leadership qualities, people can disagree. I don't care what the feminists say. They're confused anyway. But, but women are people of persuasion. So words are an asset because, and you'll find little girls, that they'll repeat some words. They like big words sometimes. They'll gravitate to five and six syllables much faster than a boy will. And so, you know, you'll have girls saying things and they just blow your mind with, they paid attention to she, where'd they get that from? You know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's a good thing, though, to cultivate language because it's so important to their success in everything. Words are extremely important in our success period. And so God has, has captured that for us so that we will know how important it is to form our own ideas through what we meditate on and how we gravitate towards certain things in life. You know, it's certain, certain things that you'll hear over and over in your life. And uh, repetition is something that impresses people. You know, if you keep hearing this over and over and over again, pretty soon you grab onto it and you don't forget it. For instance, if, if in, I don't care how you try to tone it out. You know, if you, you look at uh, uh, your children when they're growing up, you keep telling them, you know, clean that room, clean your, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. And it goes in one ear and out the other. But eventually they get up and say, I can't stand this room of mine when it's looking like this. You, understand? you just have to keep impressing upon them because the human mind is made that way. Even things that we don't want to receive sometimes, we receive because they're repeated. There's a part of us that doesn't like to be left out of things. So if everybody else is believing it, we got to believe it too. You know what I'm saying? It works in, in a lot of ways. Now, ministers will say, we wish it worked that well in the church, you know, for good things. And so uh, there is a part of, of our, our desire in selecting what to meditate on that has to do with what appeals to us in many, many different ways. If, if you're in need of something, then you will select to meditate on things that help that need or they say will help that need along. Uh, for instance, if you're in need of a, a college degree, uh, you go to school and you will begin to study and meditate and force yourself to <laughs> learn that stuff because you want the end result. It's the same thing with, with the things pertaining to the Spirit of God. You want to be healed, you'll gravi gravitate toward healing scriptures. Why would you study on money when your body's sick? You got me? And so it just makes sense to do it. But it'll shock you how many people will ignore what they need as far as God is concerned. And then there's a place where the, our lack of knowledge kind of uh, forces us or, or allows us to make the wrong decision about what we meditate on, what we feed ourselves. 
Uh, for instance, uh, uh, there was a um, um, phenomenon going through the body of Christ where everybody thought they were going to be a millionaire. And so you were told to write your vision, make it plain. Everybody had an airplane on the refrigerator, Ferrari on the refrigerator, Escalade on the refrigerator, and all this stuff until one day you, you, you thought about it. I see. We can do things without the meditation process. Yeah. You hear a good sermon, and they say, oh, yeah, well, if you're a tither, God's going to bless you and pour it out. You won't have room to contain it, so, you know, you can have as much money as you want, and you run home, and you put all your pictures up, and then one day you look at the pictures, and you say, oh, wait a minute. What would I do with an airplane? I ain't got no place to keep it. If they drove one up my street, I would not have nothing to keep it in. And them things cost money. And so, so when you unplug yourself from the hype of things, and you start to apply your faith, your reason, your understanding, and all of that kind of stuff, you find out, you know what, God? I don't really want to be a millionaire after all. I want my bills paid. I want healthy kids. I want a, you know, a little education. I want, huh? And so meditation helps us to locate the desires of our hearts. Because what grabs on on the inside of you is really what you want. Now you might have a falling out with the church crowd that thinks you have a bad confession if you say you don't want to be a millionaire. But you'll be content in God. Amen. And you'll have fruitful faith because you know how to locate where your heart really is. Where is your heart? And so that's up to you. That is a personal thing between you and God. You determine your own destiny in God. You determine your own future in God. Amen. Based on what God has planned for you amen as well as the things that are in your heart many times the things we have in our heart are part of the plan of God and you can't force anything else in there to fit you have to go along with the plan because the plan is laid down so far in advance and when we come aware of things it's somewhere down the line after the whole ball has gotten rolling and so it's wise to understand that there is a plan, and it's wise to get yourself to fit in with the plan so that when uh, uh, you have to make decisions, you'll be selective as to what you need to meditate on at what time, what you need to pull in at what time, how you need to be spending your time, all of that stuff, so that your faith for what it is that God has on your plate can be ready and available to you to move into the next thing. Because if you're trying to be cookie-cutter Christian to fit in with everybody else who's saying certain things, got me? You're going to miss what God has for you. Amen. You're going to be frustrated and delayed in what God has for you because you, you won't be able to get in touch with what you need to focus on and meditate on so that the meditation can give you understanding and it can open up that, that knowledge to you and what you need. It will be a treasure on the inside of you for the things that you really need. And so when you understand that where your mind is, 
has everything to do with where you're going. Amen. And it has everything to do with being content where you are. Don't ever let the enemy force you into being upset, malcontent, discontent, angry. You know, that that stuff needs to blow over real fast. Because there is a place in your soul where you can find rest. You can find an anchoring in God. Uh, there, You can find contentment. You don't have to be upset about everything. And, and acting like somebody's wronged you and all this, you know, grow up. You know, learn how to accept life, but then pull in all of your faculties so that you're, you're making plans to move on in God. You have it understood where you're going. You know where you're going, and you're sure-footed. You're content about where you're going. Amen. And and even though it's someplace you've never been before, it might be someplace you never thought you wanted to be. Or it, the the life is full of surprises. Even life in God. In fact, life in God is more so full of surprises. And so we have to rein ourselves in in, in our thinking and make sure your meditation is healthy and it's feeding. It's being fed by your spirit. And that you've got good healthy word coming out of your spirit. And you know that you're on your way to where you and God have planned for you to get. Success is what he wants. Sometimes it doesn't matter what what occupation you have. But God can make you content. Look at Joseph. He had, look, if you looked at his resume, it was, you know, he had been all over the place. Amen. Start out in Canaan, down in Egypt. You know, all these things, been in prison, you know, he'd done a little time, all that kind of stuff. And been in the palace, been in, you know, all kinds of ups and downs. God will take us in a variety of places. Why? Because it's not you that's going anywhere. It's your gift. Huh? Your gift is making room for you. Amen? And it will cause you to be in high places, low places. Amen? It'll cause you to stand before kings. It will cause you to stand before uh, people in nursing homes. It'll it'll have you in a variety of places and situations for the glory of God. So it's very important that we keep a healthy mindset. In in and I say all of that just to get you to understand how important. It is to let your meditation be on the right thing. Thinking about what are you thinking about? Are you are you fretful? Are you worried? Are you fearful? Amen. Are you content? Are you are you willing to set aside the things that are not right in your life or that might cause you fear? Are you willing to set that aside for the opportunity to come into a new place that God has ordained for you? All of this is very, very important. It's not just some kind of little mind game that, or uh, 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 denial where you refuse to think about, you know, like Scarlett O'Hara kind of stuff. <laughs> it worked for her. But uh, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's much more than that. You are building a good future in God with your meditation, if I can put it that way. And so as long as you understand that you're meditating on the things of God, meditating on the word, getting understanding, all of that is rich, even if you can't see how you're going to use it. You know, we're, we're so 
we're so, um, I don't know, cheap in our thinking sometimes. If it doesn't fit in where we think it's supposed to fit in, we can't see any use for it. You know, sometimes it's just good for you to sit and think on God's scriptures and say, God, you know, I really would like to know what that really means. Or, you know, take a little time out to to let him know what's in your mind and you want to understand his mind, you know, better. It'll shock you the things that we don't know, amen, that God has stored up for us. Uh, but he wants to, you to be careful about what you're thinking about. Always be mindful of, of what's going on in your words. In your mind, I'm sorry. So I want to talk to you some about Abraham and what he thought about. In Romans chapter 4, we we see where he was a man who had a covenant with God. And they didn't have the law back then. Uh, and sometimes you can learn a lot about how we relate to the Lord and studying these people. Because Abraham related to God through relationship. He didn't have a Bible to read. He had to wait on God to bring him the next word and the next word and the next word. Now, we have a Bible to read, and that's where we get our next word from. But we should always see the God behind the words and the God who authored the words and think about him being a person or having personhood as God, divine personality, because you're dealing with a living being. You know, and, and that living being has certain attributes, so forth and so on. And so um, Abraham was able to get a miracle because he meditated enough to make proper judgments about God. He, he judged God faithful. Amen? It says that in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Let me go there real quick, and it talks about Sarah, but the same thing is true of Abraham, because they both had to cooperate. For those of you who see a spouse as a hindrance all the time, (laughs) I mean, why would God promise you something to let somebody stand in your way of receiving it? Hebrews 11, 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered. No miscarriages, no disappointments. Once you conceive, you will deliver. How does she do it? Because she judged God faithful who had promised. So she had God's word about having a son, even in her old age, and she judged him faithful. Now, she had not always judged him that way. Amen? And Abraham either. Because they had judged God to be a little too slow, needing some help from them. All of the ways that we judge God, they did. But in the end, it doesn't matter how many times you fumble the ball. It just matters that you get across the goal line at the end. Amen? Amen? Because this faith is a game of inches. It's a game of, you know what I'm saying? You can always get a first and ten from God. Amen? There's always another down to play. There's always another quarter. There's always some more minutes on the clock. You can always, you're always in the game. So don't disqualify yourself. And see, Abraham and Sarah 
did not disqualify themselves. Why? Because they had relationship with God. They didn't just have a bunch of scriptures written down. But they had relationship. And they meditated on the relationship. When they would get stuck in a, a quandary of, of their meditation, they would always go back and inquire of God, and God always showed up. You yeah, see yeah. him showing up within they, uh, uh, some men showed up one time, and Abraham went and got an animal to sacrifice, made an offering, made friends with those men who came in because he was looking for God to respond to him. He's always looking for God's response. You'll get it if you keep looking for God's response. You got me? Don't ever quit on anything that God has promised you. You've got to keep looking for his response, and you'll get it. So Abraham here is, is when you turn back to, um, to Romans chapter 4, and if you uh, look at, at uh, verse 10, it says, uh, we're talking about, is, here the Apostle Paul is talking about the difference between faith and the works of the law. So he refers to people who are believing in the works of the law as the circumcision and people who live by faith as uncircumcision. Amen. And so circumcision was a sign of the covenant with in the Hebrew nation it was a sign of their covenant with God, but they actually had to keep the law even though they were circumcised. So circumcision wasn't anything in and of itself except something voluntarily. It's like water baptism. If you take that by itself, it won't save you. Because salvation is a heart thing. Amen? But it is an outward show of your inward commitment toward God. But the bottom line is the inward commitment is what's going to get you into heaven. You got me? You can be wet standing up there at the gate. And if you ain't got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, you'll get, no, you don't get in there. Amen? And so when you understand these things, there are signs of certain things. But it's a sign that points to a reality. So Abraham had a reality of a covenant with God because he had faith in him. You have no covenant if you have no faith. You got me? If you don't believe God for what he tells you, you don't have a covenant. You just have a confession. You've got a sign. You, got, you go to church. You've got this. You've got that. You need to activate your covenant with God. You need to be keeping your covenant with God. You need to be in the Word. You need to worship. You need to fellowship. Get to know Him. That's keeping the covenant. You got me? And so here we have Abraham, and it says, Does this blessedness in verse 9 come upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? It says, For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, not circumcision. How was then it reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? No, in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So it was reckoned. Faith is higher than any sign. Amen? That you have. Faith is superior. Faith came before the law. Faith in God has always been honored where you were ignorant of the law. Amen? And so when, when God 
deals with people. He deals with them according to relationship of faith. Amen? Just believing him and that will get you righteousness. It says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So the circumcision became a reminder of his faith in God, his inward relationship. It was nothing in and of itself. There were many uh, servants who were circumcised in a a Hebrew master's house, and they could live in there. I think they had what I call hanging in their faith or hanging on faith, you know, like your children might have, until God cuts them loose and says, now you've got to get to know me for yourself. But, But as long as you're in the churches are like this. There are many churches where people can stay in there and be faithful to what they know, and not get a disobedient and stay healed, keep their job, kids grow up in the church. You, you understand what I'm saying? There are benefits in the hanging on because of the faith to hang on will keep you. You know, you'll hear some people, they'll be in between churches and they'll say, I never spent my tithe. I banked my tithe. I put my tithe in the bank. Huh? And they'll set that aside and not touch it. Why? That's the sign of their covenant with God. See, it's different for different people. See, you and I might might keep keep worshiping, keep reading the word. There's certain things that you must hang on to. You don't disconnect your relationship with God because those things they to they're they're a sign that you belong to Him to you. You got me? So it's different with everybody else. Avis's husband did that. He wasn't at a church for several years, and I think he had left the church. He knew it wasn't the right church, and he visited for a couple of years. And he said, I banked my tithe. I never spent it. And when I got to the right church, I gave that pastor all that I had saved up. He found his wife there. Huh? Sister... Chitlin sitting up in, Sister Chitlin, who's usually on the front row, amen, had a daughter, did very well, stayed in his job, retired from a very good job, and when they were closing down them factories left and right, his stayed open, you got me? Because that was a sign of his commitment and his covenant with God, and he didn't break that vow to God. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's up to us. To decide where our faith wants to keep us lodged. You got me? You have to have a place where you know that you have that you belong to God. You know, and you don't break that. You don't get stupid. And and see, some people never have that established. That's why it's easy for them to break, take, you know, at least thing that you know, they were never connected to begin with. Not in relationship to God. You know, I wish I can get people to understand that. Because relationship to God is never broken. You got me? In your heart. And you must get back to the house of God. You don't stay out forever. You don't stay roaming around and acting stupid. And You know, if for no other reason you get guilty every now and then on a Sunday and think, I used to do something at 11.30 every, or 11 o'clock every Sunday. You got me? But there are some people who don't even, they lose hanging on faith. 
You can be blessed hanging on, but when God says you got to come face to face to me and know me now, you lose hanging on faith. You got me? It's ordained for you to have relationship with God. It's ordained for you to have an operating covenant with God. It's ordained for you to be a child or son and daughter of God and an imitator of God and step up to the plate and begin to walk in what he's ordained for you. You can't say no to stuff forever. You can't keep putting it off. You can't say, well, maybe that's not for me. You can't be on the fence forever. At some point, you've got to trust him like Abraham did. Go wherever. Pack up a tent. God said move. Let's go. Amen? And, and have that relationship with God. You can't stay uh, separated out all the time. People do goofy things sometimes. They'll get connected with Christians instead of getting connected with God. Then you fall out with somebody and then you leave the church because you're mad at them. Well, you were never connected to God to begin with, but you can't tell people that. You tell them, you know what, honey, what you really need to do is ask God to forgive you and get back in fellowship. Amen? Get back in a church somewhere. There's something wrong with a body part that's out there walking by itself. It's going to die at some point. And so when people are so, they were never connected to God to begin with. He was drawing them. People can only take you so far. I can only live as an example before you. You got me? And sometimes I don't feel so holy, just like you don't. You understand what I'm saying? So we're all in the same little boat together. All of us trying to find God, trying to find the will of God, trying to find the way of God. Don't let the devil start getting in your mind and telling you otherwise. You know what I'm saying? We start getting self-conscious. Well, everybody else seems to be so much more mature than I am. So you're not connected to God. He loves you the way you are. You don't know it yet, but if you quit looking at other people, start looking at him, you can find that out. You got me? Just leave the religion alone and start having true relations and learn how to be obedient to him yourself. Quit measuring other people's obedience. huh? And so if we stay out of the weeds and out of the gray stuff, We'll find that there is a God there who we can trust. And when push comes to shove and he wants to do something great in our lives, we'll have to, we'll have to make a decision. And if we can count him faithful and not waver off of that, and now he's faithful one day and the next day he ain't done nothing for me. But if you can stay with that concept of who God is no matter what happens in your life like Job he lost everything in one day all his kids property and then he was sick on top of it huh but did he curse God no he didn't said though he slay me he said can I not receive good and bad at the hand of God you mean it's going to be roses all day no if if there's bad out there I'm going to get a taste of it at some point But I'm going to still serve God. It has nothing to do with how I feel about God. 
see, our circumstances can have nothing to do in our evaluation of God. And so often they do. With so many people, their evaluation of God depends on their circumstances. What do I have? What do I lack? Why isn't it here yet? All of that. Abraham and Sarah went through all of that. But at the end, they were able to judge God faithful. Amen? And that's what we needed. So Abraham in here in Romans chapter 4, in verse 12, And the father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So Abraham is the father both of the natural Jew and of the spiritual one because he topped everybody with his faith. He believed God anyhow. Amen. And so it says for the promise, verse 13, that he should be heir of the world. God promised him that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand, uh, pebbles of sand on the seashore and as the stars of the sky, and that they would inherit the earth from their father God. So he tells Abraham all of this mind-blowing stuff, and Abraham had to process it somehow. It is how you process what God tells you that makes all the difference in the world. When Abraham first got that promise from God, he diminished it and made it small by making himself important in the equation. Do you hear what I said? We'll take a big promise from God, know it's too big for us to accomplish. But we factor ourselves in anyway. Is my faith big enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I confessed the word enough? Have I fasted enough? Have I done this enough? However, he's thinking about himself. So that's why God wants to ask you what you think about. When you think about something that he's promised you, are you willing to take yourself out of the picture totally and trust God to bring it to you just because he said so? See, it's got to be on the basis of faith. Works cannot be in it. You cannot consider yourself. You start considering yourself. You have lost it all. It was back in the days when we first got started and we just believed God and we just saw things coming in left and right. And all of a sudden we got mature and wise and started wondering what we were going to do <laughs> to make it happen. Huh? What do I have to do? Huh? You have to believe God. Oh, well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Hold it. Many times we need to ask God how to show him our faith instead of going back about our little faith routine like we always like to do. Amen. And so there is a, a corresponding action to our faith that only God knows what it is. So you, this is no time to get the book and the step and formula books out. Huh? Even though I appreciate the wonderful people that write all them things. 
five steps to success in God. Uh, I've taken more than five steps all my life with God, but we ain't going to talk about that. It's taken a whole lot more, and I'm not really there yet. But they got five steps for you. You got me? And so your biggest step is to consider not yourself. That's going to be your biggest hurdle to climb. Because when we want something, we get real big in the picture. You got me? I got to have this. I got to have that. I the more eyes we put in it, the more trouble we buy for ourselves. So he says the promise that he would be heir of the world. See, everything God promises you is too big for you to accomplish in yourself. I don't care what it is. Don't ever look at what he's telling you he's going to do as big or small. They're all the same because he's the same God. When he spoke, let there be, and the earth was created, when he says, let there be, and your prayer gets answered, it's the same God speaking the same word with the same force and the same intent. He intends to bring it to pass. Not you bring it to pass, but he bring it to pass. He says, for they which are of the law, verse 14, be heirs, if they are which are of the law heirs, and the faith is made void. So if works can get it for you, why are you meditating on the word? Why are you developing your faith? Why are you seeking God through the word if works can do it? You don't need faith if it's just works. And so we see here the, the faith is made void and the promise is of none effect. Because without faith, you won't get what's promised to you. If you go by works, you'll never get it. Because the law works wrath. For where no law is, there's no transgression. So if you just, if, if you just think to yourself, let me just hold on to believe in God and don't worry about how I mess things up. Don't worry about what if I make a mistake running after God. That's the law. Take that out of the picture. If you just believe, God, I've got to trust you and believe you no matter what I do. No matter what trouble I can cause this promise. No matter how I mess this up. No matter how many errors I make in judgment raising my children. They are still taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. I have peaceful children. I don't have prison bait. You got me? And so when you start understanding that God is the one who has to bring it to pass and that's all you need to consider. Don't consider the law. Don't consider yourself. Don't consider what you did right or wrong. And it's like, God, keep me in faith, please. If there's one thing, one favor you can do for me, show me how to stay believing. Amen? He says, the law works wrath for where the law is. There's there's no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. So, in other words, where there's no works, there's no trouble you can get into messing up what God promised you. Got me? So take yourself totally out of works now. And let's plant ourselves firmly in faith. 
because it'll work everything it worked for abraham it'll work for us if you take yourself out of because he would there was no law for him to transgress if he broke laws he broke future laws and how can you break something you don't know anything about so every time, every time Abraham fell, he got up and kept believing God. Huh? Got up and kept believing God. Got up and kept believing God. Huh? Got up and kept believing God. Your kids can do things. They can be wrong. Out, out with the wrong crowd and the wrong kids. And you get a phone call. Mama, the police picked me up. What you doing out? I thought you was in the bed. Uh huh? You're out anyway. Huh? They know they transgressed the law, but the trouble is big enough, they got to go to mama and daddy anyway. And that's us. The trouble you get in your life is so big, you can't solve it yourself, so you got to go to daddy anyway. So you got to believe your transgression doesn't mean anything if you keep going to God. Don't go there feeling guilty and don't go there feeling like, what should I do and what did I not do and what did I miss? And what did I... Go there understanding that he's faithful because he promised it to you and he will deliver what he promised. So here we have Abraham and it says, <clears throat> therefore, in verse 16, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Or the unmerited, unearned, you can't work your way into this place. It's closed off to people who like to work at it. So it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to everybody. So how is the Jew and the Gentile going to get in the same place when they come up through two different strains or two different seeds? Well, we just cut off that one because it's not relevant so the law is not relevant anymore. It's all by grace that it might be by faith. So then anybody who comes along and believes, an unbeliever can believe God and get a healing. An unbeliever can believe God and get a bill paid. An unbeliever can believe God and get some things working in his life because it's by grace through faith. If they find that door of faith into God's heart, they got it. Whether they're a church member or not, whether they're saved or not, whether they're blessed or not, whether they have the t-shirt or not, whether they have the slogan or not, whether they have a good confession or not. It depends on how God puts it into your account. Amen. What's he chalk it up as in the accounting of it? says to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed not that to which is of the law only but to that which is also of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all both Jew and Gentile as it is written I have made thee the father of many nations before whom he believed even God who quickens or makes alive the dead and cause those things which be not as though they were. So it's a mouthful. God told Abraham, I have already made you the father of many nations. You got to believe that. 
Abraham, that you're a made man already. Already not respective of what you do. Already not respective of your do goods or you do bad. Already made you that irrespective of your failure, your fault, your, your raggedy confession, whatever it is that you think is so offensive as a Christian. In spite of, irrespective of that, I have already made you what I told you I've made you. He calls those things that be not as though they are. So when he looks at you, what does he see? He sees his son or his daughter of God who is very capable of doing everything that he has called you to do. Even though you protest greatly. I never wanted to be a preacher. I never had that in my eyesight. Well, you know, there are a lot of things that are (laughs) new. Amen. All things are new in God. So it should be no no big thing if, if this is new as well. So Abraham then, God tells him, I've already done this for you. And then Abraham kind of catches on to the I have made you. Call those things that be not as though they are. So he changes Abraham's name from, from exalted father, which you can exalt yourself. And be nobody's daddy to a father of a multitude. So he he gets an upgrade. He increases him. So Abraham's got one kid so far, but he's calling himself the father of many. Because every time he says, people say, what's your name, Abraham? He's calling himself in the not stage as though he is. So automatically when he starts to respond to that name he's taken on god's faith he's got the god kind of faith working in him amen and so abraham and we have to do the same thing too you can't be healed and say you're healed but then you're waiting on a manifestation too your faith is your manifestation amen you received it by faith Amen? Because your faith is substance and it's evidence. It's all you're going to get. Huh? And so if that's all you're going to get, that must be all you need. You don't need to wait on anything. Just go about being healed. How can that be? I don't know, but I know I'm going to do it. If I want what God has for me, I'm going to do that. Amen? I'm going to do it. So Abraham then starts looking at himself differently. See, this is is Jesus' job to do this for us. This isn't your, it's not your job to get scriptures and pack them in your brain and see if you can just keep packing faith in somewhere. Jesus is the author and completer of our faith. So he has to work our faith for us into our spirit. And all you've got to do is trust him and believe him and keep obeying him and keep walking with him. And he is working your faith. Why? Because faith is something we can't see. 
We don't know enough about it to work it ourselves. See, if we judge him faithful, take yourself out of the equation. Give yourself a rest. Give yourself a, 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 you know, a vacation from working, trying to figure out what did I do? What do I need to do? I need to go to this meeting, that meeting. I need to buy this tape series. I need to bang, 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 bang. Just let him work it out. He already knows what has to be worked out. So he says here, who against hope believed in hope. Hey, that was his job, to keep hoping. Keep hope alive. Amen? Keep hoping. <laughs> he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Has God spoken that to your heart? I'm not talking about a voice. I'm talking about, did you read it in the Bible and it jump off the pages? Remember them days? Used to jump off the pages and used to gravitate toward that and couldn't move away from that in the Bible. Every time we open the Bible, we write on that again. And that's him. That's the author and the finisher of your faith working it out for you. He's not going to let your faith fail. He's not going to let it slip. What do you think he's doing up there, sitting up there saying, oh, let me see what they're going to mess up today. Hmm? I got a bunch on my hands. I'm just waiting to see you. I can cut out the wheel. Hmm? No, he's always working on our faith. Remember the lady with the, the little girl, Syrophoenician woman? She didn't even think she had was allowed to talk to Jesus. She was so far away from God. And he talked to her, and she talked to him, and he kept engaging her in conversation until he got her faith out of her. It has to come out of you. It's in there. It's got to come out. And it's his job to get it out of you. Sometimes he does it by putting us up against a wall where we can't believe nothing but him. So that's what happened to us. We don't like it, but it works. He wouldn't do that to you if it weren't in you already. You got me? He doesn't back you against the wall if you really don't have the ability to believe him. But your faith is, is there. It's real. And he won't let it fail you. It's going to work for you. It's his job. It's his job to work your faith for you. He says, who against hope believed in hope. He had a he was backed up against a wall. You know what his wall was? Ninety-nine years old, a hundred. Now the wife was what wait, wait, wait a minute, getting ahead of myself. And being not weakened, he said. Against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Instead of exalted father, there's more coming, Abraham. That's why, remember when God told him, he said, listen, Abraham, let me tell you something. When, when Ishmael was like 12 years old and messing up everything in the house. How many of you have had 12-year-olds? You want to throw them out about right then, right? <laughs> he may not make 13, but... Uh, you know, he's getting to be a little too grown, a little too lippy, messing up everything, making Sarah uncomfortable, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so uh, God tells Abraham, he said, this boy is not going to be your heir. Abraham said, oh, no. Please let Ishmael, the God said, no. I got something better for you. I got something God made, not man made for you. I've got something that doesn't have your fingerprints on it. I have something that's not wreaking havoc with the rest of your life. I have something that's going to fit in and make the family whole and not torn up and fragmented. See, I've got something better for you. Just because that's all you got, that's what you think that's all you're going to get. Don't ever limit yourself to what you have already. Don't limit yourself to what you think it's going to be like. Don't relegate it to what it used to be like in the past. Because God is doing a new thing. He's going to have to do a new thing to bring some of these things to pass that we, we want in life. And so he says here, and being not weak in faith, uh, how did he get there? It tells you right here by what he thought about. What you thinking about? Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. That means he was impotent. Couldn't have sex anymore. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, which had always been dead. They'd never been able to conceive. Now you got, when you consider yourself, let me tell you what kind of trouble you buy. You buy the trouble that all of your weaknesses bring. See, weak faith is human faith. Weak faith depends on your ability. Weak faith is what you can bring in and what you can confess up and what you can think up and what you can get. Weak faith puts you right smack in the middle of the equation. Instead of deciding to have strong faith. How do you have strong faith? You don't consider yourself. You make yourself so small you're invisible. The only thing that's left is God and what he told you he's going to do. See? God plus Abraham is weak. God plus God is strong. So what you do is you take you out and leave God in. And that's strong faith. You got me? That's all there is to it. It's taking yourself out. See, one day we feel like, oh, I've been on my confession. How many of y'all been there? It was Thursday and you were bored and you listened to, to four tapes and you got on your confession real strong. And three days later you realize, I ain't confessed a word in three days. <laughs> Weak faith. See, we think we're being strong when we do all these things, but we're actually being weak because we got the weakling stuck in there. What does it say about the old covenant? It says that that the old covenant was done away with. Why? Because it was weak. Because it depended upon the flesh. 
So when you put yourself in there and what you do, how much word you read and how much you confessed the word and how many books you wrote and how much you know and how many... <laughs> See, when we remind ourselves of what we do, we're only impressing ourselves. We still got us in there. How can we get us out of there? Lord, help us, huh? We still got us in there. Weak faith does this. It considers what we contribute to the promise. Like your confession. Your, also what we do to hinder the answer. <laughs> so, you confess the word. This will mess somebody's head up. It's messing that up. You confess the word. You hear, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It'll be here any day. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Huh? Then you skip two days. Oh, Lord. What am I doing? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Nothing. I got to repent. Remember next time to confess it every day. Confess it every day. (laughs) We are so in this stuff. It's pathetic. Weak faith considers what we contribute and what we do to hinder. It'll do both of them to you. Strong faith considers not our own physical weakness or strength, mental weakness of strength, behavioral weakness or strength. For Abraham to have considered his weakness, he would have considered his impotence. Sarah's dead womb. Against hope he believed. So he had to not consider his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. What what could you consider? Consider what God told you. You're going to do this. He considered... Looking up in the sky and counting his children. What did God tell him? He said, you're going to have so many kids, they'll outnumber the stars in heaven and the sand of the seashore. So when he started thinking about his body and what he had to contribute, he looked down and he looked up. And eventually he quit considering his own body. He stopped it. Once your meditation takes on new life and considering only what God has said and only what he has told you about something, you'll, it's easier not to consider yourself. It's easy. Many times when we're feeling good, we, we know we're walking in divine health. But what happens when you don't feel so good? Then we start considering our own body. We start considering what it could be. We start considering, huh? And I'm I'm not saying you can't, but eventually you have to let that go and just focus on what God's told you. You got me? Sometimes you do need, if you're sick enough, you go to the doctor, but you've got to consider what he has said about you the whole time. You can't, you know, when you take a pill, I'm not going to need you pretty soon. 
you're not going to live in my life forever. You got me? You ain't staying here. In Jesus' name. Amen. You are not for me. I'm a spirit. My spirit is getting stronger in the word. I am healed. I believed I received it when I prayed. You got me? And so you consider not your own body. The promise, Abraham's promise was bigger than he could ever imagine. So he would have to trust someone greater than himself. If, if all hope is gone for you in the natural, you've got to trust God. And don't feel bad if you're pressed up against the wall and you've got to do it. <clears throat> Verse 20 said, he staggered not at the promise of God through, and see, this is where we, we would like to play around with ourselves. Huh? Oh God, I'm not worthy. Oh God, you mean you could use me? Oh, God, that's unbelief. Plain and simple. Now, you can kind of dress it up like humility, but that ain't what it is. It's unbelief. You got me? You just are refusing to open the door of faith on what God's told you. Why? Because you're scared it's going to require something out of you. There you consider in yourself again. So what makes us stagger is the weight of what it's going to take to get it to come to pass and unbelief will cause you to stagger at the weight of something god has promised you amen and so if you if you don't stagger because of unbelief it's because you put the weight over on him and taking it off yourself see that's what we got to do we got to quit trying to make it happen by our good behavior and and I don't, I'm not saying live raggedy, because most of us wouldn't anyway. We love God too much. But I'm saying you've got to put that in the right perspective. I live right, but that's not earning me blessings. I tithe, but that's not earning me blessings. I give more beside, but that's not earning me blessings. That's the least I can do to please the Father. And it's up to him to judge me faithful and able to receive what it is that he's promised me. We're not, God's not an automatic machine, folks, where you just put some stuff in and pull the lever and get something. He's God. And we've got to please him with our faith. Amen. And so the weight of the promise will make you stagger if you consider yourself and what you're, how much you're able to bench press. With spiritually speaking, most of the time ain't much. Verse 21, it says, <clears throat> but he was strong in faith. Verse 20, giving glory to God. Huh? God, it's all you. I know I can't do this. I'm not strong enough, smart enough. I ain't hip enough. I'm not nothing enough to do this. It's going to be all you, God. And I'm trusting you to bring it to pass. And being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. So you're going to have days where you're persuaded and you're peaceful. And your mind isn't bugging you about nothing. Then something happens and you're not quite as persuaded as you were when you were in that little peaceful place. Uh, something happened to shook you out of that. But there will come a day if you keep looking to him and quit considering what you can contribute or not contribute to the situation. 
If you keep looking to him, there will come a day when all those voices of unbelief are silenced. And you don't, he don't bug you no more. The devil don't bug you no And you don't bug yourself no more about it. Huh? So you can be fully, don't look at where you are now and think, oh, it's going to be a long. You don't know how long and long has nothing to do with it. You have to be fully persuaded that God's going to do this. You have to. Because you're going to have some raggedy days. You're going to have some holy days. You're going to have some high holy days. But he's God every day. No matter what, what kind of mood you're in, he's still God. He was fully persuaded that God alone would do this because he's able. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that what he has promised, he was able also. See, when you get out of your ability to do good, be right, be hip, be slick, you know what I'm saying? When you get beyond that, you'll realize, I've got to believe in God's ability. Because I can't convince him other. If I needed to convince him to bless me, why did he ever promise? See, you put yourself in the position of taking away it being a promise, and now it's an if and a maybe. Because it's depending on what you do. Am I good or am I bad? Am I right or am I wrong? Am I doing the right thing? I'm not doing the right thing. Some things would be better for us to do, period. Whether it has to do with you getting what you need from God or not. Quit putting your behavior on the level of it's whether the deal is, is for real or not. You can't undo what he's promised you by your screwing up. Huh? But your screwing up can hinder your joy in life. So you do it you do it not to convince him to bless you, you do it to make your life better. Amen. See you correct bad behavior so that you're better. Amen. Not so that he gives you things. You live a good holy life, you live a good peaceful Christian life because it's for you. He's done all of this for us. Amen. You don't have to do anything. And so he says here in in verse 21, he's fully persuaded that God alone would do this because God is able. Not you're able to to help God do it. Or you're able to believe him enough. Or you're able to confess it. It's his ability. Your ability has nothing to do with it. Remember when when, uh, Abraham was one of the, the visits from the angel or visit from they think it might have been Christ visiting him and Abraham had asked God how will I know remember he says uh, he said what do I do now I don't have an heir and this servant this Syrian is my servant he's going to get all my stuff so Abraham's upset one day because it's taking too long and he says God you don't get my stuff this bomb's going to take it all you promised me children, and I don't have them yet. So how will I know? And God put him to sleep. Remember that? How will I know? He takes you out of the equation. That's how you know. 
Because you ain't in it to screw it up or to help it, Abraham. And we ain't in it to screw it up or to help us either. He's promised. A promise doesn't depend on your cutting up, not cutting up. (laughs) He promised it already. He told you he's going to do it already. And then the behavior comes later, and we think that's a factor. You know what it is a factor in? Whether or not you believe. Because you keep cutting up and pretty soon you let go of your faith because you don't think you're worthy. See? So it pays to obey whether you got a deal on the table or not. It's just good for you to obey. It keeps you out of condemnation. keeps you from dropping the ball. Walking away from the promise before God has an opportunity to position you to receive it. He's fully persuaded that God alone would do this because God is able. He says what he has promised he is able also to perform because I can't do it. I tried to do it and I couldn't do it. I tried to do it. I messed it up. Sarah even helped me try to do it with the maid and we messed it up. And God sent the kid away. So here we are back at square one where we were before Ishmael came into the picture. We have no heir. So we're right back where we started from with nothing. All of our maneuvering and big confession and buying the right tapes and staying plugged into brother so-and-so who's helping our faith. Stay plugged into the author and finisher of your faith and quit the shenanigans. When you can't do anything to help your, your case or your promise to come forward, ability is everything. You have no ability. You never did. That's why you ask for God's help. Now that you've found him, you want to start driving the car again. I felt so good about that promise, I'm going to start driving again. See what I'm saying? And so we jump back into the driver's seat and try to drive ourselves into the ground. Wear ourselves out. Worry ourselves. I got to get something else going on here. I don't get it. (laughs) When you have it already. By faith. That substance of faith is more real than if you had it sitting there. Huh? Absolutely. Once it's sitting there, it comes with all kinds of paraphernalia. (laughs) Payments. Maintenance. It was a whole lot more fun when I was just hoping for it. Huh? You didn't have to take care of it. Huh? (laughs) <laughs> it has a good it's good days and it's bad but when I was in faith it was wonderful yeah. sitting there believing God and trusting God having those times with the Lord where I get in the word and you know put me a little worship music on and just spend hours in God's presence faith is always better it's very very filling see many times we don't appreciate it because we don't 
respect it and get to understand it, kind of meditate on, God, show me when I'm in faith. Show me the benefits of what faith can do for me in trusting you. Because that's, that's got to be a fulfilling life. See? If it's not, look at the people we study in the persecuted church. See, if the life of faith and holding on day by day with God is not a fulfilling life, how do they make it? If the tangible is better than the invisible, how do you make it? See, if tangible is all we have, the invisible has to be superior. Or we could make it from, from week to week, day to day. You know, when you have problems in the middle of the week, you're counting on Saturday and Sunday giving you answers. You don't know it. You don't, you're not conscious of it all the time. Like, I can't wait to get to church. We've lived like that before. I know I did. Now we kind of take it for granted that it's just, God's going to talk to me. There's going to be answers. There's going to be encouragement. There's going to be hope. Why? Because I'm using my faith for it to show up. Amen? I'm using my faith for God to show up and help me. <laughs> and so his ability is the issue it always was with Abraham at that age. His ability. Whose ability am I counting on? See, and see, ability, it, by then, he was impotent and he knew it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, God's going to have to do something. Right. But then we get tempted. Right. Let me do a little more confessing. Right. Let me do a little more, hmm, see if I can help this along. Where you're impotent right. in all areas, not just physically, but spiritually. Definitely you don't have an edge on God in that realm. So cut it out. And consider not what you can do. Consider not your ability. And wait on God to open that door for what he needs you to do to show him your faith. Sometimes it's just thanking him. Staying in a place of worship in him. Don't disconnect. Stay faithful. And he'll begin to show you his strength. And what he can do. So strong faith believes God will do it if we do not contribute anything. Restraint takes more faith sometimes than movement. Just restrain yourself from getting carried away with all your steps and formulas. In the past, Abraham helped God. But he can't do it now. So now that he's disabled, God will be able to fully work. And that's what you, you pull the plug on your ability. You know, don't be such a live wire all the time with all the answers and all the this and all the that. Just pull the plug on your own ability. Amen. So now that he's unable, will he walk away from the promise or continue to believe? That's the decision we all have to make. Because it looks like in the natural, there's nothing for you. Are you going to continue to hold on to faith? Or are you going to disconnect? Hmm? A lot of people die. Because once natural means for helping them is gone, they lose hope, they lose heart, and they go bye-bye. Amen? Where they could have held on. See, the point where you can't do anything is the point where faith really takes over. That's where God takes over. 
And so if he's pushed you to that point, don't be upset. Just cry out to him, God, you're my only hope. And he'll say something like, I know, I've been trying to tell you that all along. I know who I am. Question is, do you know who I am? So it says here in verse 22, and therefore, therefore, wherefore, therefore, therefore he was unable to do anything. Therefore, his faith was imputed to him for righteousness. Because he was fully persuaded, I can't do crap. I can barely get up. You know, I creak when I get up. I creak when I sit down. I don't know if I want to sit down or stand up. Amen? But but I know God said he was going to do this, and I believe he's going to do it. And so he was fully persuaded at that age, not able to help anything in the situation. And that's where God wanted him to be. Many people think, you know, the older you get, the less enjoyment you get out of what God's doing. I don't know. I'm not that old. I mean, when you're too so old, you don't enjoy anything anymore. That's pretty old. I don't know how old that is. I haven't gotten there yet. But there are, are different ways of enjoying things. People say things like youth is often wasted on the young. Because the older you get, the more wisdom you get as to what's valuable in life. But you don't have all the energy. You know, sometimes people think, boy, I got so many good ideas still yet for my business or whatever, whatever. I sure wish I could put all of this in operation, you know. That's why, you know, God gives you children, gives you offspring, gives you employees. So that other people can carry out the vision that you have, all of those things. But there's never a time where a promise, if you don't think God's smart enough to give you the ability to enjoy what he gives you, then think again. Even your reaction to what you have in life comes from God, if you'll let him do everything. See, Abraham at one time said, oh, don't take it, oh, that Ishmael would live. Oh my gosh, I don't want to have to go through. Because he knew what he'd have to go through to have another child. And that's the way we are. We don't want it to drag out because, oh, i got to worship God another day. i got to believe God another day. i got to read my word without getting much another day. Huh? But that's what he wants us. He wants us in that place. Huh? He sees great joy and great love and great peace within himself when we get there. Why? Because that's when we're fully persuaded. He wants a fully persuaded child down here. Believing him and him alone. Take your little hands out of the equation. He doesn't need your nothing. Just your faith and your devotion and your love. And watch what you think. Always think about he's going to bring it to pass. Always think about he's working on it for me. Always thinking it's going to happen. It's, it's definite. It's on the way. Why? Because he's faithful who promised. He wouldn't tell me something and then not give it to me based on something wrong I did. How dare he do that to me? 
Let's see, if you, if you think like that, you need to repent and ask God to get you of what you're thinking about. Don't think about yourself as being so powerful you can stop what God's promised you. He's got a promise. It's not like a man promising you. It's God promising you. He moves heaven and earth. You don't think he can move your little situation and move your little no-no? Huh? And forgive your sin and get you back in righteousness and right standing? You don't think he can do all that? So watch what you think about, folks. Think about God right, and he'll be right to you. Amen? Praise God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for understanding, ability to understand faith, to understand faith to keep it going, faith to make it another day, faith to make it until the promise comes to pass, that you won't leave that promise on the altar. We'll receive it. So we thank you for it, Father, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer. Holy, 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 holy. God, praise God. Amen. Everybody good? Holy. Praise God. Now listen, it, during the offering, we talked about some things where, where people have had some losses. We, we did this once before. But you need to be fully persuaded that God is going to restore. See, restoration is part of what God, what makes him happy. You've you got to take yourself out of it again. But to restore you makes him happy. So maybe if you quit thinking about, what did I do wrong and I don't want to mess that up again and I don't want this and I don't want that because you're scared of stuff. You just admit, God, I'm afraid. I don't know what went wrong the, the last time. Um, you don't need to know what went wrong the last time. You only need to know what he's going to do. And ask him to help you get on the fully persuaded train so that you can ride it out with him. So, you know, the train says fully persuaded. You're going to get on that train and ride it out with him. God, I'm fully persuaded. I'm not doubting anymore. I kicked doubt out, and I'm persuaded that I'm in restoration mode. And as bleak as it looks, you are going to restore everything that the enemy's taken. Everything that I've lost. Everything that I've messed up in due season. You know, sometimes there's seasons for us to be able to handle more. When we feel stronger in him, I think we can handle more. And just continue to thank him for it. Father, I thank you. I'm in restoration. This is my Amos 9.13 season. I'll never be uprooted again. I'm planted firmly in what you've given me. It doesn't matter how I lost it. 
what I did wrong. What matters is you're the God who restores. And I'm believing you. Amen. I'm just believing you. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we do thank you. We bless you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you for blessing our bread and our water and taking sickness from the midst of us. And we love you, Lord. And we ask you to bless these uh, gifts that we're sending to the desert angel. Father, we just uh, lay hands on them symbolically that they will get to the moms that uh, are, are making the sacrifice of allowing their children to go out and protect this nation and, and protect other nations as well. So we thank you, Lord, for completing that for us, that we are people who are fully persuaded of your completion of all things. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen.